right, everyone. Welcome in to a special Saturday SEC Championship edition of Locked On Gators, your daily home for Florida Gators coverage and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. I'm excited to be joined by two co-hosts today in Demetrius Harvey and Brandon Carroll as we get ready to talk up Florida versus Alabama. It's the game that Dan Mullins Gators have been striving for. It's been their goal for the three years he's been here, and especially this year, it seemed like this was the year to get here. And here they are. Florida's not exactly liked too well entering this game. They are big underdogs, but we are excited to preview it with you guys nonetheless. So with that being said, make sure to stick around. Follow me on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall. Uh, follow the show at Locked On Gators, and while you're doing that, subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you can listen to podcasts. And while you're on Twitter, follow my co-hosts. Uh, first, I'll introduce Demetrius Harvey. You can find him at Demetrius82. Demetrius, say what's up to the people. What's up, everyone? I hope you guys have had a wonderful week leading up to the SEC Championship game. I know it's an exciting time for Florida fans, an exciting time for Alabama fans, and just an exciting time all around. So I'm um, sorry this week has been kind of weird in terms of scheduling, but we're here. So let's do it. That's all that matters. Uh, we're here to talk it up with you guys as Florida gets ready to go and play in Atlanta. And joined with us as well is Brandon Carroll. He's been on the show a couple of times, and he's going to be with me tonight in Atlanta covering this game. So with that being said, Brandon, we're happy to get you back onto the show. I'm also happy to be taking you to cover a game in the press box for the first time. Absolutely. I'm uh, I'm obviously pleasured to be back on the show. It's something that I really enjoy every time I come on here. And obviously going to the SEC championship game as my first uh, access to the press box is going to be a surreal moment and something that I've really looked forward to since I started everything back with Demetrius unlocked on Jaguars uh, when we were there. So uh, I'm excited. I'm, you know, ready to go and, I'm ready to, you know, to just feel the atmosphere of the SEC championship game to, uh, tonight. It, it'll certainly be different uh, with the way this year has unfold, uh, unfolded and uh, we won't have the normal crowd. But regardless, it is also going to be my first time in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, uh, a spectacle among sports domes and stadiums, and I really can't wait to see it. So if you want to see Brandon's coverage, make sure to also follow him on Twitter at It's B. Carroll. Let's talk up Florida, but before we talk Florida-Alabama, which we will do in our second and third segment of this show, we are going to talk about recruiting. As Demetrius said, our schedule's been a little off this week, so we haven't been able to talk up too much. In fairness, we were writing just about every last thing on recruiting that's happened. I think we did probably 30 or so stories on Wednesday as it was early signing day. Florida got 21 players inked on Wednesday before we got to talk to head coach Dan Mullen. And he told us that Every uh, scholarship that they had sent out that day, they got it back. Uh, obviously got it back signed. Meaning there were five guys that did not get scholarships. Um, some of them are a little bit more complicated than others. I would believe that DeMarcus Bowman is one of them, uh, and he's a transfer. So it's a bit different of a situation compared to Javante Gardner, the offensive tackle from Jones mm -hmm. High School. Uh, he did not get a scholarship, even though he did a mock signing ceremony. He has now since signed with Jackson State primetime Deion Sanders over there in Mississippi. Uh, we've seen another thing like that happen as Armwood, wide receiver, slash athlete, slash running back, slash this guy can do a lot slash. of stuff for your offense. He's a fun dude in Charles Montgomery. He did not get an offer either. 
he has since decommitted from Florida. He did that late on Friday. We don't know exactly what his plans are, but whatever they are, they don't seem to include Florida. So, Demetrius, talk about the two losses there, just what kind of change they make before we get into the addition that came along with it. Well, just in terms of Garner's loss, I mean, or gain, I guess, in terms, I I guess you'd have to think of it in two different ways. I mean, in Florida's eyes, they're gaining while they're losing. Yeah, they are going to be dropping a guy, but it's not as if they're dropping a guy they've obviously thought highly of. I mean, at one point they might have, but when you look at it and you get to signing day and you don't extend an offer, perhaps you have another guy in mind or perhaps you're thinking about changing your strategy. And I think that especially for the offensive line, the Gators needed to make sure that they got the right pieces. I mean, look at this year with Gene Delance and how many times they've had to reshuffle the offensive line. What Dan Mullen even just said recently about how, you know, this offensive line with Ethan White inserted at center and and, and all of those kind of changes, that's the offensive line that they want wanted to have and then if you look beyond this year that they're just losing more and more pieces so you know yeah while that that is a loss in terms of you know a literal person leaving who you thought that was going to be there uh to me at least from their perspective it doesn't seem like it's going to be a huge loss now the montgomery loss i i i kind of raised an eyebrow at this one i mean if you look at it he's a guy that you think that they want to use and kind of like a Kadarius tony mold like just using them all around the offense uh it's a perfect piece to a dan mullen offense especially when you have emory jones next year you're going to be able to have a lot of explosive playmakers in the short area so you would have expected them to want to keep a guy like him but at the same time, if you look at the trajectory of how they're, you know, they've been building the wide receiver class at Florida with these big guys, Trayvon Grimes kind of types, um, you can kind of see why they might not have, they might have looked away a little bit and maybe they're looking at somebody else. So um, overall, I don't think that these two losses are significant enough to where you look at the class and think, oh, well, shucks. But it, it, it is interesting. It, it at least provides some intrigue hitting into February. And there's, Obviously interesting to exactly why the guys don't make it. And there's rumors out there. People talk about grades. People talk about, like you said, finding the right pieces uh, for your offensive line. I actually didn't even really think of it because I just hate the idea of kids getting dropped. But uh, from the coach's perspective, they – yeah, you're right. I mean, I think – and Austin Barber is the addition that I was hinting at, the offensive tackle from Trinity Christian. Uh, He is Marcus Burke's teammate. He got an offer as soon as Jackson – or as soon as Gardner flipped Jackson State, and he committed to mm-hmm. that offer very, very quickly. A six, seven, three hundred plus pound offensive tackle from the Jacksonville area, and I think Ooh, that he could actually, yeah, we've all got ties to him here. Nine oh four. I think he could end up being a pretty serviceable guy down the road. He's athletic. He's big. He's a guy you want to mold. So Brandon, with that, I mean, you've gotten to see some of Barber as well. At the end of the day, even though you don't love the idea of a kid, whether it's grades, whether it's being dropped, just all of that kind of crumbling on signing day, when it's all said and done, does Florida win in the big picture here with the addition of Barber? I definitely think they do, simply because Barber is a monstrous brute that accompanies uh, athleticism that kind of popped off the film when I first started watching it. I mean, you alluded to it uh, when you were speaking, but I just think that Barber is that step forward that the Gators were looking for. And they're looking for guys that can really anchor down the trenches. That's something that they've been progressively trying to do over the past few recruiting cycles and have been unable to. They, they, they have been 
they're trying to get those pieces that can really disrupt the opposite, uh, you know, opposing line that they're facing. And Barber does that very well. I mean, he, uh, while he is still very raw in his skill set, he presents a lot of features of his game that make him to where, you know, this is a kid that they could really mold into being, uh, if not a starter, a, a very serviceable depth piece along the Gator offensive line. And I think at the end of the day, we're seeing Florida get a guy with a tremendous mean streak. He looks as if he's going to get down the field. He's going to make his blocks. He's going to play to the final whistle. And that's all you can ask for out of a offensive lineman that was literally just offered uh, the same day that he committed. And it was very close to the end of early signing day period. Yeah. I mean, it was like within an hour of him getting that offer. He was, he was ready. He had his iPhone notepad out and he was ready to go and drop that commitment. Uh, you're you're right. That did stand out to me as well. He is very athletic. Uh, I mentioned before we started recording, like when he was running up to the second and third level, like the dude looks fast. It's not even an agile thing for a six, seven, 300 pound dude. Like dude is running at a pretty quick speed. It's raw. You want to develop this guy, but he's got length. Uh, He's got some physicality. We do see him play through the final whistle. You do want to see him improve, whether it's through his run blocking or his pass sets in terms of using that physicality. But these are all things that, I mean, he's a lower rated guy. That's for sure. So was Ethan White. I mean, that's just kind of the John Hevesy thing. I personally do think they need to go out and start landing these blue chip tackles. That will separate them from the Alabamas and the Georgias in the SEC. But this is the true type of Hevesy guy. Like, you see what he sees in him. You understand why he wants to develop him. And he could, as long as he continues on the right development track, I I do see a vision where Barber could end up being a pretty good tackle for Florida. Now, before we move on, to Florida Alabama week there is one last bit of recruiting I want to touch on and and it's with the idea of guys maybe getting pushed out of the classes and I'm curious for both of you to assess it we'll have to do it a little quickly but that story came out about Dakota Mitchell and where Florida asked him they said hey can you wait to sign till February it was he was going to be in these guys position and go offer list or scholarship list I guess on signing day and there was some sort of pressure. I, it must have been from Mitchell saying, I'm not waiting. Florida must have figured out that, that he wasn't a guy that they did end up wanting to lose. But no matter how it went down, there was a very real possibility that Dakota Mitchell at the star nickel position, a position that desperately needed some bodies, the secondary in general, where he could have been pushed out. And personally, you know, I'm not there. I'm not in the recruiting war rooms, but with how many guys that this is happening for, maybe Florida is trying to get it taken advantage of the transfer portal or just keep some spots, but it almost feels like Florida's a little cocky. Like they're put yeah. it, it seems like Mitchell was getting kind of pushed out there. I don't know if Mitchell is specifically a guy you can afford to push out and to do it on signing day too. It, it was a bit sketchy. I'm curious for your guys' thoughts, and I'll start with Demetrius. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't, especially for a guy like Mitchell, who brings so much to the table on or defensively, and at a position of such need, you can't play in this sort of game. And now I'm not super huge into recruiting like a lot of other people or somebody who understands the exact dynamics of the situations at hand. But if, if you have a guy that's clearly been committed to your team for so long, he adds a perfect blend of everything that you would want from a nickel position. I don't see why you would even attempt to try to push him out a little bit, especially when you don't have a replacement at hand. Uh, I, I couldn't, I can't find another guy out there, 
you know, who's necessarily not committed already and somebody who they, they want to bring in instead. I'm not sure what their plan is. I know that you talked about the transfer portal and the, and Dan Mullen has used the transfer portal a lot, Zach, but it, it just, it, it doesn't seem like a thing where you can simply risk it. You know, you're, you're, you're basically saying, well, we do have this transfer portal option. So we're going to just try to sit this one out and see if the guy will commit in I February. Think, I but think in fairness, it just doesn't make sense. I think in mm-hmm. fairness, this time around is just going to be with how busy and hectic the portal will be. I get saving sure. a couple of spots, but I mean, yeah, Florida had five kids not signed still that were committed at this point. So I don't, right. Brandon, we'll go to you, but yeah, especially at a position like that with a nickel, I understand maybe if it was a, a position where you had a couple commits, but Mitchell is the second true nickel they've signed. They've been trying to move safeties and linebackers into this position in their defense. It's not working. And last year they signed Travez Johnson, and this was going to be the second true nickel they've actually signed and gotten with the program. It wouldn't have made much sense to me to push him out. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's a head scratcher. I mean, it, it doesn't, like you said, just doesn't make much sense why they would try to get rid of uh, a guy that really is kind of a corner piece to that defense, considering how big that nickel, you know, what, as they call it, star position is for the Florida defense. I mean, the nickel is kind of like a Swiss Army knife in that defense. I mean, they can play down towards the ball. They can also play in coverage. And Florida hasn't seen a successful one since Chauncey Gardner Jr. or Chauncey Gardner Johnson left for the NFL draft. And, uh, you know, he was able to find success in the 2018 season at that position. But they've been lacking since then. And, you know, as you mentioned, they signed Travez Johnson last year. Um, and so he's like the really – the only one that fits that role that, you know, as they, as they see, as they see it, because they, they recruited them for it. Mm -hmm. And so going out and trying to, I I don't know their intentions, obviously, like, you know, Demetrius said, I'm not uh, in the recruiting world in that sense to where I understand the dynamic of how things work, the intricacies of, Oh, this guy, we're going to go get this guy doesn't, no one knows yet, but he's, you know, I just think it's a, as we see it now, as we see everything kind of painted on the wall, uh, it, it's it's odd simply because I think Dakota Mitchell immediately elevates the position yet again because then you have Trevez Johnson and, and Dakota Mitchell that are able to play that spot. And as Florida loves to rotate their defensive backs, I think that provides depth for a position that so far really this season and last season has sorely needed it. Now, the good thing is that Maybe it was Dakota that strong-armed Florida, but one way or another, he did end up signing. Uh, He was the last guy to sign with Florida on Wednesday. He had a ceremony, uh, and he is a member of the class. So if you haven't already, make sure to go check out his film. I will say it is very fun, and he's a nice kid, and he's I enjoy his potential fit into that star role in Florida's defense. Check out Austin Barbers as well. I'm curious to hear what everyone thinks about him if you've not seen him yet. He's obviously a bit more fresh news, so it would be understandable if you haven't just yet. All right, recruiting. We've gone 15 minutes. Uh, I think we're good on that. we got Florida-Alabama to talk about because that's the game we've got tonight. We'll be previewing that right after these messages. Do you guys ever feel as though you're always on? Don't you want just a moment to relax and chill? It's been difficult this year. Especially with everything going on, social issues, and the expectations to be on 24-7 with families and friends. Sometimes you need a breather. And especially with the Gators this season, it can be stressful. That's why Coors Light is the perfect cold one to open up. 
Saturdays are a time to chill. Watching Florida football and relaxing with Coors Light that's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, literally made to chill. I personally love the refreshing taste. It makes me chill out, relax a little bit, and enjoy the day. I know one thing. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in a new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, guys. So we are moving into game day mode, talking ball. Um, I, I don't even really know where to start because now we've got to get into the whole idea <laughs> that Florida is down 17-point underdogs entering this game. Uh, they're, they're coming in. Dan Mullen's coming in saying, when we win. Uh, I think people overreacted that a little bit. I understand. Absolutely. I understand mm. picking at him a little bit for that, but coaches are going to say that. And if you've been around Dan Mullen at all, that's probably the least surprising thing you've heard all year, right, Demetrius? Absolutely. I mean, if you actually go back and read the transcript or even just listen to the audio, when he's saying when we win, he just meant as in, you know, because the way the question was, it was about the playoffs. Obviously, if they get to the playoffs, they had to have won. So he's saying that he's going to worry about that when they win. You know, that's that's all he was saying. At least that's how I read it. That's how I you know heard it. So um, I get that people want to hype it up and say, oh, he's predicting a win. I mean, at the at the end of the day, yes, he's going to predict a win. He's not going to go out there and say he's going to lose. So uh, I thought it was a little bit overblown, but 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 it is a big game. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. And, and Brandon, I want to move to you with uh, – you wrote about it today over at SIL Gators. Uh, obviously, the matchups here, we know Florida can score. I mean, Demetrius and I have talked about it on this pod specifically for months. If Florida is going to be in this game, it's going to be because they match scores. It's not going to be because of their defense. It's not going to be because of a mishap necessarily by Alabama. It's going to be – Alabama's coming out and they're scoring it well, like they've proven they can do all year. Florida has got to combat that by doing what they did earlier in the year, scoring it well. Uh, with that being said, I think they can do that. I think they can come out and score a lot of points. But Brandon, you do see it as it's going to take one way or another limiting some sort of Alabama star power in order to stand a chance whatsoever in this game. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, just to touch on the Dan Mullen situation before I get into that real quick, I think at the end of the day, you want a confidence out of your head coach because no team that goes into a championship game like this can believe that they are going to lose. It's not how it happens. You don't, you play as, as uh, you know, if you've been around football, you've, you've heard this quote, you play to win the game. And that's, that's the, that's the mindset you have to have going in. And it's, it's important for really everyone to have that mindset of, we are going in and we are going to win this game. And I think at the end of the day, if you don't have that mindset, you're already down. You're already not in the, in the, you know, in the position to be able to beat uh, a dynasty like Alabama. Uh, However, Mm -hmm. I do think that with the skill position players that Alabama has, with the star power um, specifically uh, from Devontae Smith and Najee Harris, I think at the end of the day, Florida's main goal should be because you're not stopping those two. It's not happening, but Florida's main goal should be to limit them and, with you know, they should throw everything and the kitchen sink at them. Uh, in, in the article that I wrote that Zach uh, mentioned earlier, I think that um, the best way to do it is by putting 
you know, stacking the box with seven defenders so that Alabama cannot rush the football because that's what their entire offense is built upon. That's their philosophy. They have to be able, you know, well, they don't have to be, but they like to go out. They like to ground and pound and then they like to air it out. And I think at the end of the day, if they, if Florida can put seven in the box and then have Kyer Elam shadow Devonte Smith, that makes it to where those two aren't beating you. And they're going to have a guy like John Mechie or Miller Forrestal being the ones that can beat them because you can't let the guys that you know are going to get their touches be the ones that blow open the doors and really start to separate themselves in, you know, whenever that is uh, during the game. Now, my biggest concern, because I agree, I think they do mm-hmm. need to man up Devonta Smith. I think he is the make or break guy in this game. Even if Najee Harris has a really good game, if you can limit Smith, I think you've got a chance. And I am also a huge fan, have been a huge fan of Kyer Elam since before he ever took a snap for Florida. I was thinking he should play early. There's one thing that stands out about him, though, for worse. It's that he doesn't have much of that long speed. We saw the double move, uh, Dontario Drummond, earlier in the season. And obviously, first game, Elam's gotten better. He's had a great year. But he's a jammer. He's a physical guy. Do you think that he will be able to hold up with Smith? even I wouldn't even expect him to do it for the entirety of the game, but do you think he'll be able to do enough to throw him just a little bit off Brandon? Well, I think the biggest, like you said, he's a jammer. He's a guy that likes to be physical at the line of scrimmage. And I think by doing that and by playing true to his game, uh, he can limit Devontae Smith. Um, obviously, Devontae Smith is widely considered as the best, uh, you know, really receiver in all of college football and pass catcher up there with Florida's Kyle Pitts um, in terms of which, you know, that those two are really in talks for best pass catcher. I mean, uh, they, they are both have been spectacular this season. Uh, I think that by Kyer Elam being physical at the line of scrimmage with Smith, they can kind of throw off that connection between Mac Jones and Devontae Smith and able in, to kind of, mix it up a bit uh, so that those timing throws are off. And it just kind of seems as if they just can't get on that rhythm that they've throughout the season been on so consistently. So I think with being physical at the line of scrimmage, he can make up for that lack of long speed, like you said, down the field and be able to, you know, because like I said earlier, you're not stopping Devontae Smith because of how talented he is, but limiting him, limiting him to a way that Alabama does not thrive uh, off of him and you know that that their performance does not hinge on his on him I think that Florida is in a pretty solid position uh, you know going into the second half at least now Demetrius back on the offensive side of the ball like I said we've talked about Florida matching scores throughout the game to stay in it how do they do that when <laughs> earlier in the year yeah I thought they probably could um, as of late eh? Yeah. Eh, yeah. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> I, I I really don't know. I mean, the last couple of weeks have kind of opened my eyes big time, especially against LSU. Uh, you know, they, they've definitely been one of those teams where it takes them a little bit to get going, especially as of late. But even against LSU, they were good in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter, they just laid an egg. It's It was shocking and, and kind of disturbing to see, especially against an LSU defense that's been terrible outside of one game thus far this season. Um, so if, if you're talking about an Alabama team uh, ran by Nick Saban, uh, it's even more tough. You know, you, you have an actual defense who, you know, is physically sound. They're, they're going to be technically sound. They're going to know what they're doing. They're not going to make too many mistakes. 
Um, yeah, the Florida offense is still very potent. You're going to have Kyle Pitts. Yeah, you didn't have Kyle Pitts against LSU, but uh, even with Kyle Pitts at times, it seems like the Florida, Florida Gators defense couldn't just score at will like we've kind of seen them do in the past. Now, could they turn it around completely against Alabama today? I mean, sure, the, anything can happen, but this is definitely going to be a concern. I mean, you're going to have to look, especially in the first couple of drives, if if they don't get it going, then you, you might have to start you know, holding your breath a little bit or don't hold your breath, I guess. With that being said, right after this break, it's time for our SEC championship predictions. Uh, if you're a Florida fan, you might just want to go ahead and uh, turn off the podcast. I'm kidding. Stick around. We are going to try and be positive about it. However, I'll, I'll give you guys some hints. We, I think we all see Alabama winning this game. But stick around for our score predictions mm-hmm. after this break. What's up, everyone? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Lockdown Gators podcast. And I'll tell you what. Being a sports journalist, doing what I do every day, I do need a lot of energy. I'm a guy that's always drank coffee, but recently it's just not been getting it done for me in order for me to break through my wall, which is why I've been going towards Built Go as a replacement for any other energy drink because it's a lot more healthy. It's brought to you by the same folks that brought us Built Bar, my favorite protein bar that we've talked about plenty here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's great because not only does Built Go bring you energy, but it also gives you protein. It's also loaded with vitamins uh, such as B6 and B12, 10,000% of your daily value, and other great things, including collagen protein that's fast-absorbing to get into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on your stomach when you've got a long day ahead, filled with work, where you really need this energy. It comes in three great flavors, my favorite being the peanut butter honey. It's got a kick of caffeine, and it's only 1.5 ounces in each package. So it's easy to carry around, easy to take with you whenever you need it. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Let's break through those walls. All right, Brandon, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you first. Uh, We've got a line of 17 points for this game as of the recording. Uh, Over-unders have been right around 74, 74.5. I can definitely see that over getting hit. Uh, in fact, I would predict it. Now, when it comes to the final score, uh, we saw last week before the LSU game, it was set at 14 points, and now it's at 17 after that LSU game. I personally don't think I, – I do think that Florida covers, but I'm curious as to what you think and if it will be that drastic. No, I don't think it's going to be 17 points because at the, at the end of the day, I do think that Florida is able to you know kind of rekindle the spark that they had throughout the beginning of the season on the offensive side of the football to to a you know extent. I think that uh, they're going to be able to score early um, against Alabama. I think that they come out and they're throwing a lot of things at Alabama. They're doing a lot of things. Uh, they're just kind of opening the playbook a bit, and I think that's going to be a good thing. Um, for this Gators offense, specifically for Kyle Trask, who is so, so he's so good at spreading the ball around to multiple individuals. He's good at finding the holes in defenses. And I think that while Alabama's improvement on the defense side of the football throughout the season, I don't think it's that drastically improved that Florida is going to be shut down uh, by Alabama as it Alabama's done to teams in the past with those dominant defensive performances. And so 
Uh, therefore, I think that Florida has a legitimate shot to stay within that 17-point range, and I think it could even be really under that first, like you said before, at the LSU game, that 14-point mark. Uh, I think you could take the under on either of them, uh, you know, and be comfortable with your decision. All right, Demetrius, let's go ahead and throw it over to you then. Uh, what are you seeing coming out of this game? Do you, do you see it being Florida keeping it tight, or do you think that Alabama puts it away pretty quickly and doesn't look back? Yep, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. You know, Florida wins 100-0. to zero. No. <laughs> Uh, it, 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 it's obviously difficult to say exactly how the Florida Gators are going to come out and play. I, I don't necessarily think that they're going to be uh, that sluggish throughout the entire game, but I do think they're, they're going to get off to their typical slow start, and, and only because I haven't seen them otherwise. I mean, every, every game over the past four or five or however many, they just haven't been able to do it. I mean, even against bad teams, it doesn't matter who they play. Uh, perhaps they'll play up to their competition, but we haven't really necessarily seen too much competition in terms of you know going into the week for Florida. So it, it, it's, it's really difficult for me to predict them to win. I do think that they're going to cover, and like Brandon said, I think they would have covered the 14 points, but just barely. I have them losing to Alabama 50-37 to 37 in a heartbreak, 13-point game. Uh, it just is what it is at this point. We, we've been leading up to this game the whole time, and it was always going to be about if they could match. I just don't see them matching. And, and I think that makes three of us. I, too, think Florida would have covered the 14 just as much as they'll cover the 17. Now, one point I want to make, and I don't think anyone's talked about it, and granted, like maybe I'm just reading way, way too much into this, but we all had our questions as to why Kyle Pitts didn't play against LSU and they're saying he didn't practice Mm. throughout the week, whatever. Uh, Dan said on Sunday that trainers quote unquote, expect Pitts to be cleared uh, for the game on Thursday. He then said, hopefully Pitts will be cleared Mm. expected. And hopefully are two very different words. Uh, And if Kyle Pitts doesn't step out there, I'm not feeling too good about the 14 point, but we're going to take, we're not. uh, Yeah. It's especially a wrap. (laughs) I, I will take Dan at his word at this point, uh, considering he said that Kyle has had a good week of practice. Uh, mm. Definitely gives you a little bit more hope compared to when we found out that he didn't practice the week before, if that's certain, if that's true. Uh, one way or another, he makes or breaks this offense. We've learned at this point that he, there's a reason they feature him. They can be very well oiled without him, but it is different when he's on the field. And they will make this a competitive game for the majority of it. So long as he's out there. With that being said, I've got Alabama winning 45 to 34. Uh, Florida should be able to keep it close uh, with Pitts on the field. I think they will start faster with him out there than they have in recent weeks. I just, Dan's going to be aggressive. I truly think that they've held some stuff back, which came back and bit them in the ass this past week, but. That happens when when you maybe sleep or get a little conservative, and we've t- Dan has admitted as much at times this year he's been conservative with his game planning uh, in the second half of the season. He knows he can't afford that. I think he knows that Florida can't afford that. So naturally, they should start a bit faster. I think they'll keep scoring, but Demetrius, especially earlier in the year, we talk about that one Kyle Trask throw a game, that one mm-hmm. mistake a game, something like that will happen with Florida where it sets them apart and where the competition will take over. And Alabama is a team where you can't afford that. It could be a one-score game. It could be a three-point game for all we know. And Kyle Trask throws a pick six. 
or Dan Mullen goes for it on fourth down and it doesn't work. It's just that one thing. And suddenly it's double digits. And I don't think Alabama loses a grip on that. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, if you look at it, both of their losses this year have kind of come down to one play. I mean, in the Texas A&M game, there was the fumble. And then obviously this game, I'm not trying to put it all on him. We've already talked about it, but the Marco Wilson shoe throw. I mean, it's come down to one play and and you're right. It could Mm -hmm. be the same thing in this one. It could be just a pick six and that's that. And even if it's not one one play with, with the Marco thing, it was two technically, even though it was such a bad playoff yeah. game. It was Marco, and then it was also the missed field goal from their typically yep. automatic kicker. Yep, just the just the mistakes that they're normally you know capable of making, um, of of not making. I guess you should say it. it <laughs> you can't make those same mistakes against an Alabama team. Now we'll see. I mean, Alabama can make their own mistakes too. Mac Jones isn't exactly you know the perfect quarterback either. But, you know, we'll see. When you've got that much talent, it's just hard to predict it as much compared to a team that has done it at times yep. and resulted in two losses throughout the year. Brandon, I'll go back to you. It looks like you've got some last notes for us before we wrap up here. Yeah, and I just wanted to touch on the Kyle Pitts situation. That's not something I really thought about, and so I'm glad you brought that up. But at the end of the day, I think that Kyle Pitts still plays. I think that's too big of a game for him not to play in. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, 80% of Kyle Pitts is better than most receivers, 100% of them. So at the, I think that Kyle Pitts uh, does still have a pretty significant impact no matter where he is in terms of his injury. However, I think that Florida's uh, – they, they start um, maybe not – super fast however i don't think they start slow um i do think they score on the opening possession uh, that's something i can uh kind of throw out as one of my predictions however um i just think that at the end of the day the talent gap between the two squads alabama is just more talented and i think that's really where this game comes down to the separation of the two teams and so therefore um i am going to take alabama 49 to 38 um and you know florida's they're gonna yet again reach the sec championship game but falls short to the tide um, in, you know, in, in a rather disappointing season uh, in, in terms of where they should have been, considering uh, before really everything, all this just year in general, Florida was really looked high, uh, looked at as a highly regarded team in the nation. Or th- there was a possibility that people were thinking they were going to go undefeated throughout the regular season. Uh, if it, and so with their losses, with some of the things that's gotten thrown in, I think you can look at it. And while they did make it to the SEC championship game, you can still kind of say there, there were some missed opportunities for Florida to take that next step with Dan Mullen at the helm. Yeah, I'm with you. That was something that I kind of hinted at through the off season is even with the COVID year and everything coming, popping up and going wrong as it could have, Florida was set up pretty well. A lot of continuity, a lot of familiarity, a lot of chemistry. Uh, returning redshirt senior quarterback who had an extreme comfort in the offense. None of us predicted a Heisman year like this, but regardless, we expected good things and improvement from Trask. It seemed like a year where they were set up to do some damage. And there's still that slim little bit of hope that it could happen tonight. If they pull off the miracle, if Florida can somehow some way unseat the king crimson the crimson tide nick saban and his alabama program in the sec then we'll come back and we will eat our own crow next week on the locked on gators podcast but win or lose we'll be here to recap it with you guys you won't want to miss it so of course subscribe rate and review 
uh, by looking up Locked On Gators on iTunes or just about anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter, myself at Zach underscore Goodall, Demetrius at Demetrius82, Brandon at It's B. Carroll, and most importantly, in order to never miss an episode, at Locked On Gators. We'll catch up with you guys next time.